Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so excited that you join us today. And wherever you're listening from or whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you are encouraged. And if you ever want to join us in person, you can always join us at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. But we love you and we hope that you're encouraged today.
25 minutes into the hike, we're still not done. I'm like, I'm going to die. This is it. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's thirsty. I don't want to do this anymore. And finally, we get to the waterfall, and I was like, like, this is what we did this for. And it was it was pretty, but it was not worth what we went through. It was not. It was not worth it. And then we got to the waterfall, and we were like, awesome. Okay, let's turn around and do it all over again. Now, like, we had to do everything backwards. We had to go all the way down. And I was like, oh. So I learned two things. One, we're not a hiking family. And two, hiking.com doesn't know what easy is for me, okay? That was not an easy hike. But, but I was thinking about what we're, what we're going to be talking about today. That, that stuck out to me. That story stuck out to me because I think a lot of us in life, we live our lives the way that we did that hike. Like, we think we can do this. This is fine. And so we keep going and we, you know, we go to school. We get the job. We find the spouse. We have the kids. We get the promotion. The kids go to school. They have dress-up days. You have anniversaries. You lose your job. You get a promotion. You take on more and more and more. And along the way, like, you're managing and it's okay, but eventually you get to a point where people are like, oh man, you've made it. Like you really did it. And you're like, if this is what making it is, like, I don't know if I want it. Like, I don't think this is what I thought it was going to be. And I think that like, just like we got to the waterfall and we got so disappointed, like Pastor Clint talked about last week, sometimes you're chasing after something that's making you somebody you don't even like. And I think that we live our life like that. And so I think if we were honest in here, I'm not asking anybody to raise their hands, but I think if we were honest, I could say, hey, has anybody in here been disappointed with the way that their life has turned out? And I think that there are going to be people in here who would be honest and say that. And it's not what you expected. I know for myself, I thought, like, is this really, like, what I'm, what life is supposed to be? Is it supposed to be this crazy? Is it supposed to be this hard? But I want to challenge you guys to think about something. What if the biggest thing keeping you from the life you want to live is the life you are living right now? What if the biggest thing keeping you from the life you want to live is the life you are living right now? So today we're going to talk about when you're too busy for what matters. And listen, guys, this is a transparent moment, okay? Pastor Clint and I are very much what you see is what you get and I want y'all to know, like, I'm not teaching this from a place of having mastered it. Like, I haven't climbed this mountain. I can't get away from the mountain things. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't gotten this all figured out. I'm teaching this from a place of, hey, God's working in this, this out inside of me, and I want to bring you guys into it, okay? So this isn't, you're, like I said, you're not going to leave here and be like, I know exactly what to do because I don't know exactly what to do. But if you've been in a small group with me the last, like, six weeks, you've heard me asking for prayer for this of, like, hey, I've got a lot on my plate and I have to do it all. Can you guys pray that God shows me how to get it all done? And like, then God said, hey, why don't you teach on it? So like, that's what, that's how God has been answering those prayers. But the good thing is, is I know I'm not alone in this. Like, I know that everybody feels rushed, you know, like there's work to do, there's games to watch, there's kids to drive places, there's uh, like shopping to do, my gosh, with holidays, there's gifts to wrap, there's parties to plan for, food to make, like grocery lists to make, all of these things, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going, and you keep going until you realize you're going so fast you don't know how to slow down. Like, you can't, you're going so fast that you don't have time to sit and just enjoy a dinner with your spouse. Like, you're going so fast you don't have time to just enjoy a long cup of coffee talking about nothing and everything at all with your friends. Like, you don't have time to sit and do the things you want to do because you have to do these things you have to do. And you don't have time to sit and just like be at peace with God and listen to what he's doing. And so like 
but everybody feels that way, right? Like, so if everybody feels that way, then it's okay, right? Like, that's fine, but it's not. There is a better way. Jesus has offered us a better way, and so that's what we're talking about today. But when we're talking about that, we are not just looking at the truth of what Jesus said, because that's super important, but this, this series, we're really looking at the way Jesus lived his life, because his life was super unique. Like, even beyond just being God, he lived a very unique life. He had three years to do ministry. Oasis is almost three years old, or well, from when we launched online. If y'all weren't around, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> but, like, when I think about, like, everything that God accomplished in three years, or Jesus accomplished in three years, like, he raised up 12 disciples who were a hot mess. He raised them up. He taught them the, the kingdom principles of God, and he sent them out, and they've changed the world. Like, we wouldn't be here without the disciples, you know? He he fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. He raised the dead. He fed 5,000 people. He did all of this in three years. But you know what he never, ever did? He never ran. In every, every time they talk about Jesus moving, Jesus is walking. He's not running. He's not rushing. He's not skipping. He's not frolicking. He's not, like, speed walking. Like, he is just walking. And if he is walking and he's invited us to walk with him, then, like, that means that we get to slow down because it wasn't that Jesus wasn't busy. He had a lot to do. He did all of that stuff plus so much more in just three years. So it's not that he wasn't busy. It's just that he wasn't hurried. And every time he was walking, he would invite people to come with him. In Mark 2, 14, who wants to paste something? Don't allow paste. Okay, sorry. In Mark 2, 14, it says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And side note, I was like, who's Levi? I don't remember Levi being a disciple. Like, who's he inviting? Apparently, Levi and Matthew are the same person. They just had, you know, like Simon, Peter, Levi and Matthew are the same person. So there's your tidbit for the day. If you don't learn anything else, now you know that. Uh, but so Jesus told him to follow him, and, Jesus, and Levi stood up and did that. And so it's safe to assume that if he was following an unhurried Jesus, then Levi was walking un, like, without hurry, right? And that's what God has offered us to do. He's offered us to have this unhurried life, but it's so hard for us to take him up on it and to trust him. But I want to revisit something that we talked about last week. Pastor Clint read it in, I think, NIV. This week, we're going to read the scripture in the message. And remember, we talked maybe last month. Like, the message isn't an actual translation, but it's a great paraphrase. And I love the way that it puts these verses together. This is from Matthew 11. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that that's what Jesus is inviting us to. And again, think about his life and the way he lived it. So he had 30 years of normal life. And then he was baptized. He was commissioned by God. The Holy Spirit came down like a, a dove. And God said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And he started ministry. And what was the first thing he did? 
It was not feeding the 5,000. It was not raising Lazarus from the dead. It was not anything. It wasn't healing the blind man. It wasn't any of those things. The very first thing Jesus did was to go away with God for 40 days. He went away and he was strengthened by God in the wilderness for 40 days. And then he started his ministry out of rest. So this very first miracle was turning water into wine at the wedding. And so that happened because the wedding, the bride and groom ran out of wine, which was like a big no-no in Jewish culture. Like you don't run out of wine. You keep the wine going until everybody leaves and they ran out. And listen, like if I was, if I were there and it was my responsibility to like fix the problem, I would be like, ooh, guys, it's kind of my bedtime. Like, I don't know if you know this, but like I have a lot of things that I need to do because honestly, in my real life, I love my bed. I love sleeping. Like if it's nighttime and you give me an opportunity to go home and get in my bed, I will do it. But that is not what Jesus did because Jesus was coming from a place of rest. He was already rested. He was not hurried. And so he turned the water into wine and created space for people to just sit and be together and enjoy each other's company and rest and have fun. Like that was his very first miracle was to unhurry people, to keep them together, to keep them in fellowship with each other. And then another one of my favorite stories of Jesus is when he was walking along and one of the guys from the synagogue came up to him, Jairus, and he, he is not calm. He is freaking out, understandably. And he's like, my daughter is sick. She's dying. I know if you come and you touch her, all you have to do is touch her. I know she'll live. And Jesus goes, okay, I'll come with you. So if that's me and one of my babies is sick, I'm going to be like, let's go. But not, not Jesus. Jesus walked to this dying girl's bedside, and he was surrounded by a crowd. He was surrounded by a crowd that was so thick that while he was walking, somebody reached the crowd and touched his robe, and Jesus felt it like that. And he said, who touched me? And he stopped. And I'm telling you, if I'm Jairus, I'm like, who cares? Let's go. We got to go. But Jesus stopped what he was doing while he was walking, and he saw the lady with the issue of blood for 12 years year she had been exiled and by herself because the Jewish customs said that she was unclean and she had to be away and he saw her he stopped what he was doing he turned and he healed her and then he kept walking and as they were walking Jairus's people came and said I'm sorry it's too late she's already gone and if I'm Jairus I would be so frustrated because I would be thinking like if we had just hurried up it would have been okay and Jesus said it's fine Time, I'm in control of time, and they kept going, and they showed up at Jairus' house, and all Jesus had to do was say, little girl, get up, and the girl raised from the dead, and she was fine, but it didn't matter that Jesus wasn't in a rush. He still got everything done that he needed to get done, and so if Jesus wasn't hurried, and we're supposed to be following Jesus, why are we in such a hurry? Why are we in such a hurry? And listen, I am not a counselor. I am not a therapist. I am not a psychiatrist. This is just coming from a pastor's heart of seeing people, observing people, talking to people. But I would say we are so hurried because you're either running from something or you're running to something. Those are the two reasons that people are in such a hurry. So you're, you're running from a past hurt or a past relationship, or maybe it's something that somebody has said about you that you are trying so hard to overcome that you don't want said about you anymore, or it's something that happened to you that you're running from. 
So you're running from something, or maybe you're running to something. You have this vision for your life. You've got the vision board. You know what you're doing. You know the house you want, the car you want, the vacation you want, and you know how you're going to get there. And you are going to kill yourself getting to these things because you are running toward something. But the problem that, that most of today's culture is, is what we are trying to get to, when we get there, it's not what we expected. It's not what we wanted. It's not what's going to fill up our soul. It's still going to leave you empty. But what if the greatest enemy to the life you want to live is the life you're living right now? And you might say, like, you don't really know what you're talking about because you're a pastor and you just work one day a week. And, like, I have a real job and I'm really busy and I have a lot of responsibilities and, like, I have a lot of pressure on me, and I will respectfully say you have time for what you make time for. That's right. You have time for what you make time for, and I'm going to dig a little bit deeper in here, and I'm going to say the answer is not more time. You can't plan your way out of this. You can't container store your way out of this. The, the answer is not more time. It's making the time for what matters. That's, right. That's what it is because the reason that so many of us in this room feel like we don't have enough time is because we are mindlessly wasting our time on things that don't matter. Right. And I'm going to prove it to you. We're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about three things. And I don't know that everybody in this room is going to connect with every one of these, but there's going to be something in here that you're going to go like, oh, and that's okay. That's kind. Of, I want you to feel a little uncomfortable because I have felt uncomfortable, so I need you guys here with me, okay? So first up, we're going to talk about social media. Who in here has a social media account? Who in here has a social media account on two different, like, things, like a Facebook and an Instagram? What about three, like a Facebook, an Instagram, a TikTok? Yeah, right? There's a lot. So let's see, let's talk about this. Did you? <laughs> there, there, listen, this is no shame. This is a no shame zone. This is a let's just like confront where we're at because you have time for what you make time for. So did you know the average person spends 706 hours a year on social media? And if you're younger, if you're like 25 or younger, you spend even more on average. So just to make a comparison so you guys know what that means, <clears throat> say the average workday is eight hours, right? So if you spent an equivalent of eight hours a day, like the social media usage would be four and a half months of work a year <laughs> is spent on social media by the average person. Now we're going to talk about television, TV, okay? And it's even worse. The average American spends 2,700 hours a year watching TV. And I know that like the invention of streaming has only made this worse because when I was younger and somebody would be like, oh, you need to watch whatever, I could only start watching it like on Thursday nights and I could watch one hour a week. And if I was lucky, maybe they would like have a, uh, what's the word? Uh, yeah, like a marathon. Maybe they would have a marathon and I could binge it. But, like, you couldn't binge things. I know. I'm old. Um, <laughs> you, know, just okay. you couldn't binge things the way that you do now. But, I mean, just this week, this is like a twofer. Just this week, I, on social media, was like, oh, my gosh, everybody needs to watch Call the Midwife. It's such a good show. It's on Netflix. And there's 11 seasons of Call the Midwife on Netflix. And I'm still saying it's a good show. So, you know, just, like... Uh, divvy it out, do it when you have time. But 
it's there's 11 seasons there's at least eight episodes in every season and every episode is at least an hour like i i just recommended that people spend a week of their life watching this show because that's what it is um okay and last the last thing we're going to look at is video games and listen i'm going to pick on guys here but i do recognize that girls play video games because i would whoop anybody who tries to beat me in Mario Kart, okay? Like, I would, I would take you out, I promise. But we're going to talk about guys specifically. The average 21-year-old, by the time he's 21, so through the course of his life to the age of 21, has spent 10,000 hours playing video games. So if you want to make some comparisons, let's talk about this. What can you do with 10,000 hours? If you were to work at a job where you were making $10 an hour, you could make $100,000. If you were just an average reader, you could have read 2,000 books. You could, like, scientists have said, like, it takes 10,000 hours to become uh, an expert at something. You could become an expert at anything you want. You could be a concert pianist in the 10,000 hours you spent playing video games. You could get your pilot's license. You could memorize the entire New Testament, but then, like, let's go relationally. What would your marriage look like if you spent 10,000 hours investing in it instead of video games? Or what would your friendships look like if you spent 10,000 hours investing in your friends instead of video games? What would things look like if we really focused on what mattered, if we made time for what matters most? We are just, we, when we put away the things that we're mindlessly spending our time on, that's when we can make time for what matters. And so now the question is, what do I do? I see the problem. I'm a little uncomfortable. Now what do I do? And I'm going to tell you, like, I don't have a solid answer of what to do, but I'm going to tell you what I have been doing and invite you guys to do it with me, okay? There's a prayer that I have been praying that I've seen God be working in my life with, and I want to invite and challenge each one of you guys to pray this every single morning this week and see what God does. So the reason this came about is because, like, as I was thinking about this, God reminded me that above all else, he is love. God is love. The greatest commandments are to love God and love people. And last year, literally at this time, we were teaching on the ruthless elimination of hurry, John Mark Homer's book. And in that, he talks about how love and hurry are incompatible. You cannot love and be in a hurry. So if I want to be like Jesus, if that's what I want my life to be, I can't hurry because I can't love and be in a hurry. The very first word that the Bible uses to describe love is love is patient. You can't be in a hurry and be patient and uh, love at the same time. So I've been praying this prayer, and this is the prayer. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. That's it. I pray that you would walk slowly enough that I would love people fully and experience Jesus deeply. And what's going to happen if you pray that? What's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in your life because God is really cool and way bigger than me. And he works in everybody's life differently. But I can tell you what I've been learning. I, okay, so I have um, right now unmedicated ADHD. I'm not on anything, um, not because I don't believe in medication, just because I can't find one that works right for me. And so I have been seeing God work by reminding me that like he's given me the Holy Spirit to be my constant helper. And so in the moments where I'm like, I'm mindlessly scrolling on my phone, I don't like 
he prompts me like, hey, don't do this. Why don't you fill in the blank? And so sometimes it's super practical. Like, hey, now's the time to go do the dishes. Or, hey, now's the time to go swap the laundry over. Or, hey, go whatever. Like, it's super practical things. And he keeps me on track. But other times it's, hey, why don't you call that person? Or, hey, why don't you reach out to that person? Um, And it's allowing me to love people in a deeper way because God is slowing me down because I've been asking him to. And the second thing that he's been teaching me is it's, it's helping me to prioritize the things that are important and putting down the things that aren't. And so, like Pastor Clint mentioned, he's taken social media completely off his phone. I haven't because I really like staying connected. Like, I really enjoy it, but I did. I put a limit of an hour a day, which is still 365 hours a year. It's still a little bit more than I would like to spend on social media, but it's a starting point. And, like, I've limited, like, stuff that I would waste my time on, like a game or scrolling on Pinterest. Like you can actually put limits to where your phone is like, hey, you've spent enough time on this. And you can get around it and you can still get on it. But it's still a checkpoint of like, hey, this isn't important. Um, And I want to remind you guys, like some of the things that God might bring up to you while you're praying this, like it might be a, hey, you don't need to take extra shifts at work because you need to be home with your family. Or, hey, maybe you don't need to go to seven yoga classes a week. Like, do it at home a few times and spend more time reading or whatever. Like, these things that God might lead you to say no to doesn't mean that it's a no forever. It's just a, hey, in this season, it's not good right now. It's not good for you right now. Because that's what that's what the scripture said in Matthew. Like, he, we get to come into these rhythms of grace. Like, rhythms of our life. Our life is going to ebb and flow, and what doesn't work now might work later and vice versa. And so this is a constant thing that we can be praying and evaluating and asking God to lead us in the right way. So you have time for what you make time for. And Jesus has invited us to walk with him just like he invited Levi. And all of these days that Jesus was walking, he was walking and he was walking, he was walking right towards the cross. He knew exactly where he was going. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And he was walking toward laying his life down for us so that we can have a hope, so that we can have a purpose, so that we can have freedom. That's what he was walking towards. And he says, like, hey, if you're going to follow me, you've got to lay down your life. Like, pick up your cross and follow me. And so that's what we are walking towards. We are walking towards laying down our life. I'm not saying an actual cross, but we are walking towards laying down our plans, our purposes, our desires at the feet of Jesus for him to tell us what his plans and his purpose and his desires are for us. Because what those are are better than anything that we could ever come up with. That's what we get to do. That's what walking in a better way can look like. So this week, I, I just want you guys to pray with me. We're gonna, I printed out and cut out by hand a ton of these, and I want you guys to take them home with you and put it like, in, it doesn't really fit in your dashboard. I tried it. But put it in your, your visor or put it on your mirror or put it next to your coffee maker. Just put it somewhere that you're going to see it every day and pray this every day for seven days and see what God will do. Because you have time for what you make time for. And the most important thing is not more time. It's making time for what really matters. So I want you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here and you're like, whoo, this is me. This is me. I am too busy. 
I am overwhelmed, I'm stressed, I don't have time. I want to invite you to come to Jesus with that. Take the challenge of praying this prayer every day and see what God is going to do. And if that's you and you're committing to pray this prayer the whole week and walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply, would you lift up your hand? I want to pray for you guys this week. All right, and I want everybody who's raising their hand to know that nobody is alone in raising their hand in this. You are not alone. So I see you, and I want to I want to pray for you right now. God, thank you in advance for all you're going to do and for all the different ways that we're going to be able to see you working in our midst this week. Um, God, I pray that you help us to be okay with the interruptions that we're going to have. Um, help us see the needs in front of us. Um, I pray that you use this to heal the hurts inside of us, the things that we're running from. Um, God, I pray that you re help us reprioritize so that we're running toward, we're walking toward the things that you want for us. And I pray that these truths that you're going to teach us, they sink deep in our hearts and that the Holy Spirit uses them to work inside us this week. And I pray that you help us to choose what matters most, to help us to love you and to love others. And as we stay in this prayerful moment, I want to ask you again, what is the greatest enemy to the life you want to live is the life you are living. There might be somebody in this room um, who's not religious. They're not really sure about God or what they think. You're not a church person and you've been trying everything. Maybe this relationship is going to fix it or maybe that one or maybe having this house or that house or this car or that car or this experience or that thrill or whatever. You, you keep chasing these things, but you end up empty. And why is that? It's because you're trying to fill this God-shaped void in your life with all of the things of the world that were never meant to fill up that space. It's because you're a spiritual being that's never going to be satisfied until you have Jesus. And when you step into the fullness of what God has for you, the way and the truth and the life of Jesus, you're stepping into freedom, you're stepping into hope, you're stepping into purpose. Um, it's a gift from God, and it's yours, to it's yours to take. And so I would encourage you, like, if that's a relationship that you want, it's something that you can start today, and you don't have to understand everything to start something. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. The Holy Spirit moves inside of us and helps us to grow and to learn. But today, he can come into your heart, and he can change you from the inside out. And your circumstances aren't going to change, but your hope can change. So if that's you and you want to start this relationship with Jesus, I would just ask you guys to pray this with me. Dear God, thank you for inviting me to walk slowly with you. Thank you for walking every day toward the cross so that you could die for my sins. And I invite you into my life to take charge. And in the best way I know how, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And listen, if that's something that you guys decided to do, we would love to be able to come alongside of you. Um, get you plugged in, get you connected. You can fill out the top of the connect card. There's a place that says, I started a relationship with Jesus. We would love to know that. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. Come on. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Good job.